I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. In the blink of an eye, the summer is over for 49,000 San Francisco students. Wednesday marks the first day of school for the San Francisco Unified School District, along with other schools across the country this week. Social media feeds, at least mine, have been filled with photos of kids in their new clothes and backpacks, holding chalkboards, declaring their new grades and teachers' names. Fresh optimism and hope always mark the start of a new school year, and this year it's no different. But it might be especially meaningful for educators and families. After more than two years of a global health crisis, distanced learning, and politicized school boards, families and schools are hoping this year just might be the time that kids return to normal. Finally, the Chronicle's Jill Tucker has had 25 first days of school in her career as an education reporter. She joins me today to hone in on what this new year has in store for the San Francisco Unified School District. There's been a lot of drama in recent years, from a school board recall to accusations of racism. On top of all of that, San Francisco has had to contend with the same issues other districts around the country are facing teacher shortages, low enrollment numbers, budget cuts, and of course, there's still COVID-19. Jill Tucker is here to provide a report card on the district on a number of issues, including student readiness. Jill, pleasure to have you back on Fifth Emission. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Jill, another school year is upon us. This is San Francisco Unified's third pandemic first day of school. What's different about this year compared to years prior? Boy, the summer went fast, didn't it? Yes. So we are we are back to school. And, you know, there is a sense, I think, that this is the first more normal year, mm. closer to normal year than we've had since the pandemic started, you know, while we'll still see kids in masks and other things like that. It does feel like we're getting a little more back to normal, that kids are going to be going to music classes and they're going to be going to sporting events. And, you know, even though the pandemic is still among us, I think, um, you know, and that we're, and schools are still recovering from that, it feels like we're a little more in that recovery mm. uh, than even last year. Are people still talking about COVID? Are there specific requirements in place? Remind us what the latest guidance is for schools. Obviously, COVID is still here. People are still getting COVID. It's obviously less severe. We have fewer hospitalizations. So going into the schools, there is no mask mandate statewide. You might see it some on a local level that may come and go if we start seeing surges or something like that. But in general, they're still recommending masks, but it isn't mandatory. Um, So it really will be up to the students and the teachers whether they want to wear masks. We don't have the type of testing that we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. We are seeing a lot of schools uh, encouraging students to take a test, an at-home test, before they come back to school, the day before they come back to school. And then, of course, they're encouraging but not requiring vaccinations as well. So really, it's a lot of uh, voluntary compliance with some of these good practices that help prevent the spread. But certainly, we're still going to see COVID cases in schools. But we saw them last year as well. Mm -hmm. If you remember back, it seems so long ago, When we had a lot of cases in the pandemic, if you were exposed, they were having people stay home just for exposure. And now, you know, the guidelines are a lot more relaxed where people don't have to stay home. They're encouraged to wear a mask just in case and to test. So it really 
feels a little more back to normal without some of the stringent requirements that we've seen um, in past years. Yeah. So luckily, we're more nimble with COVID. But with the San Francisco Unified School District, there's been a lot of drama in recent years, especially when it comes to the school board. There's been that recall, new appointments, and most recently, a controversy with one school board member, Ann Sue, who made racist remarks about the parents of black and brown students. What do you predict? Will things calm down this school year, or is this sort of the nature of the school board for now? Gosh, you know, um, I'm I've stopped predicting <laughs> because <laughs> that's fair. It's just been crazy for for a handful of years. So it, it it really is a district that still is in flux. It's still trying to dig itself out of the lawsuits and controversies and scandals from the past few years, including the debate over whether to cover a historic mural or the um, admission process for Lowell High School, mm-hmm. should it be competitive or not, or renaming 40 schools, on and on and on. And so, I mean, I could I could spend many minutes talking about the trials and tribulations. Um, I think, you know, with the appointments uh, following the recall, there was an expectation that this would uh, smooth things out, mm-hmm. and and yet, as you pointed out, we had yet another blip in that, if you will, with Anshu describing black and brown parents using um, racist language um, that you know blamed parents basically for the performance of of students. So there's been an outcry for that, calls for her resignation. So far, she has not heeded those. And there will be an election in November mm-hmm. to decide who gets to keep those three seats that were appointed by the mayor for the next four years. And and I have a feeling that that election process is really going to sort of throw a little bit of a wrench into any calm that we might see. Mm-hmm. I think the election is going to be uh, very interesting since one of the recalled school board members, Gabriela Lopez, threw her hat in mm-hmm. at the very last minute. So, you know, that adds to the drama that we've we've seen. And, you know, so I'm not going to make any predictions, but I'm not super optimistic that it's going to just be calm sailing through this fall. Right. Well, let's talk about the academic experience of students, because that's what really matters here. And starting with staffing, I've seen lots of news reports about how school districts across the country are scrambling to find qualified teachers. Why is there this shortage? There are a lot of reasons for the shortage. Um, it goes back in large part, actually, to the to the big recession mm-hmm. that we had in 2008. And at that time, there were a lot of layoffs of teachers, which, you know, we often see when people are making budget cuts. And what happens is you, because of seniority in labor contracts, a lot of the younger teachers are laid off, which leaves an older population. So we're seeing now an older teaching force where we're seeing more retirements. Mm-hmm. And when you have a recession like that and there are no jobs for new teachers, you don't have a lot of people entering the profession either. So you create this lag of, you know, once a shortage comes back of of having people that are entering the profession. So and on top of that, there's a lot more money pouring into public schools from pandemic recovery to a very uh, healthy state budget. 
And that means more staffing, right? Like the whole goal is to bring in more mentors and and coaches and counselors and and all of those types of people and teachers. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a greater demand for people and a lower supply because of retirements and because of a delay of people entering the profession, you just have this shortage. And, And we're seeing it across the country. And so you have districts like Oakland and San Francisco where it's, you know, cost of living uh, make it very difficult for them to recruit new teachers. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic probably just made a lot of existing teachers reevaluate their professions, right? Absolutely. I mean, we've all heard about the great resignation, right, Mm -hmm. where where a lot of people are leaving their jobs, rethinking their lives, and certainly teachers who had a very difficult time during the pandemic – decided to leave the profession. In many cases, people who were maybe headed for retirement retired early because of health concerns. It's a perfect storm for uh, for a teacher shortage. You know, there are some districts giving five to $10,000 signing bonuses mm. to lure people to come to their district. So how is the San Francisco Unified School District doing on that front? So they, like last year, are going to are looking to have um, you know dozens of vacancies uh, when school starts, uh, which is Wednesday, and they uh, expect to have about sixty. At least that's uh, how many vacancies they had a couple of days before the start of school, and. Um, you know, and and it's not that there won't be anyone in the classroom. They'll have substitutes or or people that are credentialed from central office um, that will fill in until they can hire somebody. A lot of these positions are in special education and, mm-hmm. and really hard to fill areas. Mm-hmm. But you know, last year I think they had forty vacancies when they started school, and this year it's probably going to be a little bit above that. Mm. Is there a strategy to remedy it? You know, in San Francisco and everywhere else, they are doing everything they can. They are recruiting parents to come in as teachers and go through alternative credentialing programs so they can start teaching right away while they're getting their credential. You know, as I said, many places are giving bonuses. In San Francisco, there is housing help and Mm -hmm. other types of things to help lure people or get them to be able to afford to live in the area but really, you know, again, even in suburban areas, they're they're starting the school year with vacancies. So you can imagine in districts that have always had a hard time competing are scrambling even more. More with Jill Tucker after a quick break. There are some stark achievement gaps in San Francisco's student population. Does the district have a strategy to fix it? We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Jill Tucker, how's enrollment looking for the San Francisco Unified School District? Those numbers are super critical for state funding and the 2021-2022 school year enrollment decreased by more than 3,500 students from the year prior. Do we know what enrollment is this year yet? We don't. Um, You know, there's always a little bit of a lag in terms of people who might be signed up to attend San Francisco schools, but then ultimately don't show up or maybe even more show up than they thought. So it takes a good, they they call it a 10-day count Mm -hmm. when they wait for sort of all of that to settle down and really see how many kids actually showed up for the school year. They are anticipating Uh, another year of declining enrollment. Mm -hmm. And so it'll be really interesting to see 
you know, how much that's gone down because it really is connected to state funding and the district has uh, been facing a lot of financial uh, shortfalls and and that could be significantly exacerbated by declining enrollment. And of course, we know that the pandemic has been super tough for kids. COVID learning has set back academic progress and growth for many students. What does student readiness look like in San Francisco, maybe compared to the rest of the state? San Francisco, like many urban districts, um, has grappled with literacy rates and an achievement gap, really. So, you know, overall, the district does pretty well with kindergarten readiness compared to other districts. Uh, There is no statewide statistic for that. But still, we're looking at you know, about half, right, that that aren't quite ready for kindergarten. And that that means that students are starting school behind where they should be and have to catch up before their first day of school. So that that puts a burden that could last years ahead. But we're also concerned about literacy rates across uh, the district and certainly an achievement gap in math and reading and where we're seeing, you know, rates that are significantly lower depending on the demographics. We're really waiting for the test scores that from the spring semester, mm-hmm. um, those are not out yet. But um, once we sort of get some eyeballs on that, we'll be able to see, you know, really a, a good comparison pre-pandemic and coming out of the pandemic back to in-person learning. Right. And and the data point that's been stirring a lot of these conversations is, you know, the achievement gap, as you mentioned, is really stark between Black and Latino students and their peers. Does the district have a plan to address those gaps now that that's really evident? You know, they vowed that this is their top priority, that they will be spending the majority of, of, of public meetings on this issue, that staff will be completely devoted to it, that the new superintendent will be looking at every avenue to address those things. They are looking at everything from teacher training to adding staff like reading coaches and um, tutoring and other types of programs that are working. The the city actually has just decided to pour $4 million into a math pilot program Mm -hmm. to expand it to three additional schools after seeing really great improvements in test scores at John Muir Elementary. And so they're they're looking at this this idea of really doing a deep dive into what is working and then trying to replicate that and use the resources for those things uh, to replicate those programs to more schools or, or across the district. So we'll see. It's a long process. You know, when you have kids that are grades behind and a pandemic that has exacerbated that, it's a deep hole to dig out of. So, Jill, would it be fair to say that the San Francisco Unified School District is going to have to just really prioritize these kinds of issues like achievement gaps? They were critiqued for focusing too much on politicized issues like renaming of schools or taking down a mural. They'll be really closely scrutinized this year, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, after the recall, that was the goal, I think, of many voters was to send the message that uh, they were tired of politics, what what some called performative politics in, in terms of renaming the schools, like you said, and in the middle of the pandemic. And they really want the top officials in the districts to be looking at the needs of students, the very basic needs of students, whether that's textbooks that are not falling apart, to qualified teachers, to math and reading literacy rates, all of those things that 
that are sort of the fundamentals of, of education and making sure that all students have everything they need. And uh, definitely the board is has vowed to focus on those things. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be up to us and, and the public uh, to keep tabs on it. And Jill, I also wonder, you know, now that a new school year is upon us, as an education reporter, what are the things that you're looking out for or thinking about in this school year ahead? Well, I, this is uh, right around my 25th first day of school. So I, I've seen many of them. And maybe with the exception of the distance learning year in the pandemic, all first days of school have hope and and promise. And kids are excited. They have their lunch boxes and their new clothes. Mm -hmm. So there's this feeling among adults and the kids and the teachers that this is the year that everything's going to go well. But the reality is there are a lot of things that that I'll be keeping an eye on that aren't so hopeful, and that includes the teacher shortage. Um, I'll also be looking at test scores when they come out later this fall to see how much learning loss there has been in the pandemic. So that'll be you know really something that we're going to have to look at to see how much ground uh, schools are going to have to cover, and also chronic absenteeism. Um, this has been a huge issue in the pandemic, with some schools seeing as much as uh, half the kids missing 10% or more of the school year and uh, really looking at what schools are doing to get that back to pre-pandemic levels, if not better than pre-pandemic levels. And then certainly district finances are going to be an issue. Despite an infusion of cash from the state, uh, San Francisco schools are still facing uh, a fiscal crisis, and they're going to have to look at that this next year as they did last year. But also, you know, I'll be on the ground looking at um, what's going well in schools, going into classrooms, which is my favorite part of the job and talking to kids and teachers and and finding out what's working, finding out how they're adapting post-pandemic, what's coming out of all that, um, you know, what what seems to be making a difference in their lives and, and reporting on those stories as well. Well, Jill, happy new school year. <laughs> I appreciate the time and look forward to your coverage in the months ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you. Jill Tucker covers education for The Chronicle. Find her coverage at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. There you'll also find her data story, which provides a quick look at where San Francisco schools stand on a range of issues, including vaccination rates and college readiness. Thanks to King Kaufman for the edits, to the West Contra Costa and Albany Unified School Districts for teaching me how to read and write, and to you for listening. <laughs> 